Hello and welcome to the Startups Roundtable. I'd like to start with an acknowledgement of country. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet. Here in Sydney, it's the Gadigal people. We pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging and extend our respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening today. Hello and welcome to the Startups Roundtable. I'm your host, Tony Hackett. And each episode brings us together with people involved with the startup ecosystem. I'm continuing to speak with founders that I originally met with toward the start of this COVID era, to see how they are getting on and to learn from their strategy and tactics that have kept them going. Today I'm revisiting with Uday War, CEO and co-founder of Chintamani, a fintech startup creating innovative solutions to serve people across the globe who do not have access to basic financial literacy and best practices. So let's get to it. So Uday, it's great to have you back on the podcast. It's uh, it's around a year since we spoke. You're one of the early people that gave me time to have a chat and a lot has happened. And it's a wonderful opportunity to hear what's been going on, how your business is progressing, how you think about things now and to get some some current pulse. So welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, same here, Tony. Like feels great to be back. Excited to share like what has happened in the past year with us. Thanks. So let's start there. Give us a, a walkthrough of the, the last year, then we'll come back and pick up a few points to dig into a little. What's the experience been like? How's the business world changed for you? Like for us, it was you know very weird because we were a part of uh, Techstars, which was actually a program and it was supposed to go from Jan into mid-March or March end. We were supposed to have a grand demo day and in between we had COVID. So our accelerator program got shifted to virtual midway and uh, we had just got a very small amount of funding and we had grand plans to launch the app to do marketing to do you know all sorts of uh, stuff but nothing materialized because i think the initial period was very was very uncertain most people didn't know what to expect how long is this going to be and you know stuff like that so we ended up you know launching the app without a major feature which is payments because the banks were off and the regulators were off and you know so we did that minor pivot and throughout the year we have just been focusing on the core aspects of the business like we are focusing corely on the product how to engage retention you know how to improve usability how to improve design and so forth so which was good in a way because Otherwise, you get like lost in a lot of things. This gave us some, you know, breathing time to just sit down, think very calmly and very, you know, in a focused way as to what our core proposition is. Are we solving for that? Is the pivot, you know, solving and sticking to our core values or are we, you know, deviating in some way? So it gave us some breather and we did a couple of experiments. We did like a small scale launch. We have... Small set of users now. We are around uh, three, four thousand odd people. We've uh, crossed like half a million dollars in expense and income recorded on the app, and we've crossed like ten thousand transactions. So we have some data to you know work with now, which earlier was you know not the case. And it's interesting because this data has changed with time. So we see the data coming in from the first wave of COVID, and then it differs people's expenses the average expense income differs during the unlock sessions and then now since the second wave has it again it has you know deferred a bit it kind of gives us an you know a bird's eye view of the situation happening in india and with respect to covid and how it is enabling a change in behavior for most people so yeah that's where we are at uh, right now 
you've hit on something that I really wanted to ask you about, and that was around consumer behavior. And you were talking about the, the data changing. I often wonder how much people work with intuition and their experience versus the data. But you're at a point now with that sample of, that's wonderful, the, the growth you've had. With that sample, you've got some very unique insights. Have there been maybe one or two consumer behavior changes that have surprised you? Yeah, I mean, our uh, medical expenses, like people who recorded medical expenses went up drastically. So we saw that coming up front, that obviously this will be something, but that was one very big behavior change. We also saw a huge drop in food-related expenses that people used to do for snacks, going out with friends. We saw an uptick in P2P loans. So friends giving each other loans to manage their months. So that segment saw an uptick. We initially didn't understand because people were just writing names. So they were writing like, you know, Tony, 5,000 rupees, right? And you're like, what does Tony, 5,000 rupees mean, right? So these were like select set of users that uh, we recognized they were willing to, you know, share their data with us in order to help us understand user behavior. And so these users, I interact with them on WhatsApp. I study their behavior. What are they doing? And they told me, hey, uh, that was actually a loan that I gave to Mr. Tony. So like, okay, so... This is a use case with, you know, which is emerging. You know, these are the couple of pointers that we observed with respect to change in consumer behavior. And very unique insights. Do you have a look at that in a different lens through different age demographics? Yeah, our primary target is uh, the fairly young populace anywhere between 2021 to like 30, 35, because these are the people who are somewhat tech savvy and they have very unique use cases. So we have use cases, someone tracking expenses for a pilgrimage that they are making or someone tracking expenses because they are a freelancer. They don't have a consistent uh, source of income. So they need to make sure that, you know, when the month end comes, I don't run out of money. We have like quite a lot of use cases. I'm sure like as we scale from, you know, these three, 4,000 users to maybe 50,000 or you know, 100k users, this data will become more and more normalized. We will see three, four broader use cases that are there and lots of minor variations. Are you saying then that the core problem statements haven't changed that much? Not really. No, it's still so there is a need that is still there, which, you know, the tool kind of solves, which is to, you know, track and manage your cash flow. But the purpose of the need is varied. So as a housewife, my need is to maintain cash flow for my house. Uh, for a freelancer who is left Mumbai and living in Bangalore, and there this person has to pay rent and he has to send money back to his family and at the same time, you know, manage his expenses, pay friends for an outing. So that need is very different versus a need of a married person. Just got married, 100 expenses have increased in their life and uh, they just want to make sure that they don't lose track of, you know, everything. So lots of needs or use cases, but the primary, you know, core feature set is still the same. You spoke about growth before, and I'd be interested in how you think about pursuing growth or how you talk about growth or think about growth now versus a year ago. A year ago, we were very linear thinking in terms of growth. Our, like, I think this is the case with most startups unless they have this realization moment. That especially if you are in B2C, you look at growth uh, as a funnel where you spend some dollars in marketing and you get a bunch of customers at the end. And as long as you keep doing that, you will keep growing. The problem with that is it's linear, right? It's dependent on how much dollars you pour in. What is the amount that you're you know, trying to 
pay for each customer and we did a couple of campaigns are on youtube they cumulatively reached around half a million views and they were very hyper local we partnered with brands or or youtube channels which were very specific to a state in the local language so in in bangalore for example we did a video with a local channel in kannada which is uh, bangalore's local language which even i don't understand so we did those kind of experiments and we saw coming out very clearly that as long as we keep doing that we'll get customers that is not a long term solution right how do you hit scale without spending that money is the big question right or that is like the billion dollar problem and that has you know forced us to shift perspective from pursuing linear growth to exponential growth and focusing more on customer retention how are people referring why will they refer what is the perceived value that they see in the application especially because the problem we are trying to solve does not have immediate gratification like you will see the benefits of financial discipline 10 years down the line but you won't see the day you start using the application so that is a very tough problem to solve it's the same with investing right if you start investing even a small amount now only if you are disciplined will you see that mature to a very big thing after a period of time but it comes late and that is why people tend to avoid it they like why should i you know invest when i can just splurge it on a movie or i can just you know splurge it on a vacation so it's it's very difficult and that's why it's interesting and so we are focusing on these two parts you know retention as uh, well as referral and if we can crack these two as a part of the product proposition then we can achieve a exponential growth rate without burning insane amounts of money in marketing that instant gratification i must say if i had my eyes closed i i I think I was hearing my father speaking to me when I was a teenager. <laughs> it, I'm understanding is exactly the same for you as a as a founder trying to work out how do you get people to recognize the good when everything is just so instant. And that's that is a cracking challenge. And one part of it is to determine who you who try to attract, then to work out how to access them, then to work out how to connect and then to maintain that connection because there's another bright and shiny something else just around the corner going to to take it so that that market that you have though that 21 to 31 or, or approximately i think they were the ages that you said that's a group that have maybe graduated uni first job maybe first early marriage and and starting to think about the discipline so even though they might want to wash away the instant gratification they recognize that they're at a point in their life where i need to start thinking about this so i, I love the idea of the hyper localized approach to it so in financial services or you know payments or any anything in the fintech industry right the most important factor for a company is trust how do you ensure trust because unless and until people trust you they're not going to send money through you or they're not going to invest through you or whatever and there are two ways you can make trust one is at a very macro level let's say i get like you know brightly to become my ambassador and then you know everyone will be like oh great uh, i trust them but that is not financially feasible for a startup so the other way to get trust is to converse with them or uh, market to them in something that is very native something that they can relate to and that is why hyper local india being like such a big diverse country hyper local makes more sense to generate trust rather than doing a you know flat out like if i see a youtube video or an instagram reel or something from a person who i'm already following or i look up to or entertains me and i get a recommendation there that is worth much much more than me doing a google ad or a facebook ad and i'm just scrolling and i'm just seeing this 
flyer and maybe it will interest me maybe it won't but it won't invoke trust so we are trying to solve for trust first how do we get people to trust us if we solve trust then everything else can you know fall into place that's the commodity isn't it well, not not really a commodity but you, you know what i mean that's that's the horizontal which is trust the idea of of experimentation has interested and intrigued me for many years and and I worked with a large tech company previously and they recruited some people from Amazon maybe 15 years ago thereabouts and when they were talking about experimentation they were talking about like the real magic of it but you scrape away the magic it's just hard work could you go a little bit behind just you saying we're running experiments what does it look like if you were to start an experiment thinking about it today how quickly are you executing that in the field yeah that's a great question experimentation for us has been like the core proposition so when we launched our pivot in march we thought that it will be mind blowing and we will get users to use it and everything right and we pushed it to our friends and family first i think in my last podcast i mentioned we had around 300 people from our network just using the app and we are just monitoring how they are using and what they are doing it and we realized for 6 months we had to follow up with them to make sure they are using like i had to call people hey why are you not using only when we started doing these micro experiments did we realize the uh, fine prints of it as to what was the actual problem is the product not solving it properly or is the product solving it properly but there is a motivation problem right i am not motivated enough so if you have a motivation problem then no matter how great your product is nobody will use that so what we do is we usually define one hypothesis based on the data that we see so let's say we get a data that the these people between 27 to 35 are not using the app as frequently as 20 to 26 we take that data and we write down various hypotheses and these hypotheses are based on our own assumptions as well as customer interactions once we have these hypotheses written down we have various ways to you know validate them one is you just pass on a survey and get customer data that however is not reliable because people will say something else they will do something else so that is like one very early thing then we launch a feature request poll do you want this feature or do you want this feature to change so eventually the final test is if we manage to build that in a wizard of oz way where that feature is there on the app but it doesn't work and we see if people are interacting with it or not if we see a lot of clicks happening which means they are anticipating or they want to do that that is the final validation for us that okay now this customer is at a stage where they realize this is something valuable and they just want to do and vice versa if we see the same with something else on the app which is not there not being used we try to find out the reason and if we get a good logical reason we remove it and i think this is a process that you know most companies go through regularly the only thing is how well do you optimize that how fast you can make it the best way to do it is just through design wizard of oz you don't make anything you don't code anything just validate your hypothesis as fast as possible at scale and once validated then you invest time and efforts into development and you know stuff like that with the the pivot and having to i guess shelve the the payment side that's still in the plan i'm i'm guessing yeah so last year towards the end of the year when things started opening up we again approached the regulator and we got approval in feb but because of covid it didn't happen however since our audit reports were 6 months old we had to do all our audits again so we went through that whole cycle but yeah this month early this month we received approval and right now we are merging in like a couple of weeks so you know we should be live with the payment sample I wonder if you could close for us today with a comment or some thoughts. If if there was someone listening to us speak and they were thinking about 
making that step and getting their own startup underway, knowing what you know, what would be your advice to them in this moment? Number one, COVID has changed a lot of assumptions that people had about market, consumer behavior and everything. So number one thing is if you think something will work, uh, please try and think twice because a lot of factors would have changed and they may change for good, like permanent, right? People may not trust each other with hugs, for example. We don't know that, right? So those factors might be changing a lot. So number one, revisit your variables. And number two, try to validate your hypothesis without the fear that someone is going to steal your idea uh, just through design, right? Put up a, a Wizard of Oz website, make a fake app that looks like the original but doesn't do anything and try to validate. If you can just invest like $5,000, $10,000 of your own savings and try and get, you know, these 50,000 people or 100,000 people to either sign up or, you know, talk to you and tell you that, hey, this is something which I would do. Try to do that upfront before taking the plunge and doing that. Because after you take the plunge and if you, you know, face friction, that is demotivating. You will need a lot more perseverance. You will need a lot of willpower that, okay, let me do that. But if you do that before, right? Uh, That will actually help you get clarity of thought. It will also help you when you approach an angel or when you approach an accelerator or any VC for investment uh, that, hey, I already validated this beforehand. So it's not something, you know, it's not a Pandora's box. We open, we don't know what will come out of it. So I think that approach is, which is especially uh, critical in today's times because nobody knows, you know, what is going to happen. So that would be my two cents. It's wonderful advice, and especially against the backdrop of you growing your business and living through this. You've just shared with us the stuff that isn't in the textbook, so thank you. It's been tremendous to catch up with you today, and I'm really excited for your future, and we will stay in touch and and check in again, but thanks for taking the time today. Gosh, a pleasure is mine. Thanks for joining me today. It was great to meet with Uday and hear of the interesting work that he and the Chinta Money team are doing in the fintech space. Feedback is always appreciated. Thanks for listening and bye for now.